Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're You're about about to get get jumped. Welcome to Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you just still watch the anime. That's true. This week on Get Jumped, we are watching Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, it's a story of a cowboy who's riding his horse in space, chasing after rabbits and voles and other varmint, space varmint. All right. Well, that's not right at all, so whatever. Let's just jump in. So we are doing this show about anime, so you don't have to watch it, but you still should. Yeah, you, you should definitely watch yeah, it. Yeah, and uh, the reason it's called uh, Get Jumped by Spencer and Blake um, is about this really, really big anime uh, well, I don't know, conglomerate. It's manga, and then a lot of animes are made out of it. Oh, so yeah. Manga is the Japanese comic books, essentially, and then anime are the actual shows that come out of it. Yeah. So, Shonen Jump is the biggest weekly manga serial in Japan, and it runs multiple series all at once. Uh, lots of the heavy hitters like Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, Bleach have come through Shonen Jump. Yeah. Uh, we're not exclusively doing Shonen Jump series, <laughs> but we thought it was a pretty good reference, and so we're going for it. Yeah, seriously. And also, uh, we're going to be covering a lot of the different Shonen Jump uh, animes and uh, mangas and where they came from, but we really wanted to delve into people that maybe have not seen or, you know, dip their foot into anime, and we wanted to go with one of the most iconic animes of all time to start off with. Right. So this, this podcast overall, for the most part, it's going to be a storytelling podcast. We'll talk about um, some of our favorite things in the episodes. We'll probably have some information about the series as And jokes. And jokes. Jo- yeah, <laughs> there might be a joke or two, but uh, for the most part, we'll kind of go through the plot lines of the episodes and tell them. Uh, to you so you can hear the story for yourselves uh, if you want to relive it or if you want to find out maybe what's going on before you check it kind of a try before you buy yeah um, so yeah like Spencer said we're starting things off with Cowboy Bebop yeah um, I, I wrote down it's <laughs> it's arguably the best anime ever um, immediately started an argument yeah that is arguable <laughs> but uh, the reason you say that is it's fantastic and also if you look at lists of like best anime it's pretty much always on the list, and you're you're gonna find it at the top of the list. Oh a lot. yeah, at least like in the top ten of like of echelons of animes. Uh, the the creator of Cowboy Bebop um, also created another show that's arguably one of the best animes of all time called Samurai Champloo. Yeah, we'll probably um, cover that pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, but like it, it's it really gives you a, a bunch of hits where people. Um, sort of overlap when watching anime, which is like a lot of people want action and they want drama and they want comedy, and it's just the entire package. It's everything, yeah. It's it is uh, almost a perfect anime. I would say the only thing I can think of that Cowboy Bebop doesn't really have is the sort of mystical quality that yeah. a lot of anime have. So if you think about Dragon Ball Z, where they shoot energy beams at each other, don't oh. be ridiculous. Walk and talk and 
predicted the future in that's, episode. All right, we in do the have, first episode. Okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of mysticism, but it, it's definitely not in the way that you'll see the in Red most coyote. Will find Zona Norte. <laughs> You're not going to see the same kind of mysticism that you'll see with things like chi blasts and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Um, so it's a little more toned down, maybe a little bit more grounded, you could say. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're about to jump in, I think. Um, one thing to note, we will be covering this series. We'll also be covering other series. Uh, some of those series are going to be really long. Cowboy Bebop is 26 episodes plus a movie. Mm-hmm. It's not that long, although it is pretty dense. Um, some of the other series we'll spend a lot of time on just because there's a lot of content. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, for series like Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, things like that that we may cover, you'll see a lot of those series will have filler, which we'll talk about when we get there. We will almost terrible, certainly terrible be skipping the filler entirely we might (laughs) reference it but uh just burn it down it's not really worth it and and so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it for sure Um, the other thing is that uh every week is going to be different so we will talk about cowboy bebop not the entire show we're going to hit the first three episodes here um we will cover the entire show through the run of the podcast uh but it's going to rotate between weeks we're going to have about four series running concurrently so once a month approximately you can expect one episode per show we'll make our way through when one show ends we'll bring in another show to fill its time slot so we'll have a slowly rotating cast of characters Uh, but we thought that cowboy bebop was the way to go (laughs) yeah and also and also like it it's a good it's a good like first three episodes you get to meet like really important characters uh ironically enough i had forgotten that a very important character in the show is introduced in the third episode after you've been introduced to the dog in the show who is important (laughs) obviously but also we were like oh maybe by episode four or five they'll introduce another character that's very important into the show in the in the opening sequence you see them over and over again and it's not even until episode nine that you meet this character it's it's insane (laughs) how far in so I guess we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves so why don't we go in and let's talk about Cowboy Bebop Cool. So, if you're wondering uh, what the backstory of this show is, um, imagine uh, the the planet is much further along than we are right now. Yeah, by, I think it said 2077. 2071 is when yeah, it starts. You're right, you're right. 2022 is when the gate crisis happens. It's like uh, it's something you'll find out further along in the yeah, show. We'll but, cover it in depth when we get there. But one of your first sequences you see inside of the show is like uh, this this big scaling. Uh, a shot of these uh, spaceships going through these like big like metal rings in the sky and they like disappear from one point and then they're in like a tunnel of light and they appear at the other side so these are one of like the pivotal things behind this entire series which is the gates um, they cause this huge crisis why most people are living in asteroids right. and on Mars instead of living on Earth because there was something terrible and cataclysmic that happened um, but People are living in space now. <laughs> yeah, so, um, by the way, we're watching the dub for this and not the sub. That is, uh, 
we would usually watch the sub, uh, but the dub for Cowboy Bebop is pretty good. It's and, really uh, good. We decided to watch it partially because it's a good dub and partially because my TV is uh, not the greatest. The worst. So um, we're uh, we're falling back on that a little bit. We might have a couple of quotes from the dub yeah. that may not match with the sub, so your experience <laughs> may vary. Um, we're going to jump into episode one here. Um, the episodes in Cowboy Bebop, these are actually called Sessions, yeah, which is like kind jazz. of a nice touch. Yeah, because the whole show is built around this jazzy feel. Um, and actually, I believe all of the episodes are named after some kind of song that they're yeah. familiar with, which so, is pretty sweet. So there's uh, there's a through line of musicians that play with Cowboy Bebop. This is this is a real big kickback to how good you you can expect a show to be, where they go into every single detail of the show and they break it down and uh, really fill it out with really, really top brass people. The the uh, original voice actors uh, from Japan that did the show, really, really high echelon of voice actors. Then you have this badass jazz band that plays with them called Yoko Kano and the Seatbelts. If you have never listened to them, if you've never heard Tank, which is the opening theme song to Cowboy Bebop, it will get stuck in your head like that, and you will say, like, three, two, one, let's jam in your right sleep I, I i don't like jazz particularly but this song is fantastic you should definitely check it out mm-hmm. and i would say uh, along with the top-notch creative team i've got a couple of notes in here about some of the world building that we'll see so it's pretty pretty intense so the first episode we open up on a uh the sound of cathedral bells mm-hmm. in the rain and what looks like a gothic cathedral um and then we cut in we see spike um, we don't know he's Spike yet, but we'll find that out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a, a messy-haired, tall, lanky guy, and he's yeah. smoking a cigarette and holding a drooping bouquet of flowers. The bouquet of flowers falls away, and it's like a machine gun, and he is being fired upon, and he is firing back, and slowly you pan from, uh, you build up from this black and white to this color, and it's on this rose in the water... And then the opening starts. Yeah. So we get to the intro, which is, again, it's so good. The song is good. The intro is iconic. Also, something I was thinking about while we were watching this, so many anime have, like, crazy huge spoilers in their intro. I'm thinking about, like, I refer to Naruto a lot because I've spent a lot of time watching Naruto, and... Naruto is great, but a lot of the intros, they start at the beginning of arcs, and they'll have footage that references, like, the climax of that arc, yeah. including things that are, like, big reveals, like, you've, and this is going to be a huge spoiler if you're not watching Naruto, so skip ahead 30 seconds, but if, <laughs> if you're, like, in that section where you meet Toby as the member of the Akatsuki, the intro reveals that he has Sharingan, uh, or uh, the whatever the other one, the concentric circle eye is, way before the show does. If you didn't know... That got spoiled for you yeah. immediately. So, uh, Cowboy Bebop doesn't do that. It's kind of a an older guard show, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the next thing that you're going to see is that that world building aspect. You have the first shot as them shooting through space, cutting back to a ship, watching Spike training. While Jet is cooking. Yeah, while Jet is cooking. And we've got harmonica music, too, which is really setting the tone. Yeah. And um, so you have uh, this really, really cool shot that cuts to this 
moment where Jet is getting him out of there, turning on the lights, suddenly on him, and you have your first, like, funny moment in the show, which is them talking about uh, dinner is ready, and he's like, what is it, like, bell peppers and beef? Yeah. <laughs> and Spike's like, you can't call it bell peppers and beef if there's no beef in it. <laughs> it's great. And this is, I think, a running joke in the show, too, right? Um, they're talking about they have a target coming up as well. Um, the uh, we I'm not sure if they explicitly say it right now, but we'll find out really quickly. These guys are bounty hunters. They mm-hmm. make all their money off of bounties. Space is expensive, y'all. It's very expensive. <laughs> um, so they've found that this guy's a major player in the syndicate. Uh, they are broke. Um, Spike mentions like what happened with all the bounty from our last uh, our last guy, and yeah. Jet responds that they had to spend it all essentially on collateral damage. Yeah. And then I just put a note here. Uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's a space western, y'all. <laughs> yeah, so um, you see them pay as they pass through the ring, which is, it's it's really cool to see, like, all of the little bits of the world. Yeah. And you, you, you see uh, them flying to a... Um, the giant red planet. Yeah. And on the outside of it is this little tiny asteroid that has like a dome on the front of it and they call it TJ, which is Tijuana. Yeah. Yeah. They say Tijuana, you think it's on Earth, but it's actually this asteroid. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. So we see, we uh, cut to Spike, he's getting ready to depart to hunt down this bounty and um, this guy named Asimov is the bounty. So Spike is whistling to himself as we see him roll out on top of their ship, which is called the Bebop. Mm-hmm. And he has this smaller ship that he uses for his uh, his personal, you know, single man space flight. Swordfish 2. It is Swordfish 2. It's this really uh, sort of capital T-shaped, angular, <laughs> vicious, awesome, sleek-looking ship. It's really cool. Don't call him vicious. Not, you don't know it's what not vicious, vicious is. We'll cover that later. <laughs> it's not vicious. It's sleek. Yeah. So uh, we get down to the planet onto, or, uh, sorry, onto the asteroid that's Tijuana, and it looks basically like 1980s New York. Like it's super grungy, and there's signs everywhere and trash, and it's dirty. Yeah, and then um, you you cut to um, you said the most voice actor, most awkward voice. She actor. was so awkward. So we cut to this bar, <laughs> and we see these old guys that are a running joke throughout the show. Like these old guys are everywhere. Um, so we see them for the first time, and then we see the mark. This uh, the guy Asimov walk in with the woman who I don't remember. Did they name the woman? Mm, I don't know. I don't if think she they has even a name. Talk about her at all. She so, just speaks awkwardly in sort of an accent. Yeah, the whole her, time. her voice actor has decided to go with a Hispanic accent, but like because it's Tijuana, I guess. <laughs> so the woman who's playing her, which there is a Mexican flag in the next episode, so oh, yeah. it's kind of internally consistent. But yeah. the woman who's playing her, she's a good voice actor later, but like her first line comes out like a robot was trying to deliver the line. She says, I'll have a Bloody Mary heck make it a double. Like, exactly like that. It's very, very disconcerting. So... The, they're ordering drinks and they, she orders a Blood of Mary. The guy's like, oh, we don't have tomato juice. And this is a code for the drugs that he's he has stolen and is trying yeah. to peddle. All so. right. So uh, future drugs, if you're not aware uh, from this first episode, uh, you shoot into your eyeball. Um, so Asimov takes him to the back room and he's like, let me see it because I want to see how pure it is. And he's like, is that pure? And he's like, this is bloody. Yeah. And his voice just keeps de- getting deeper and gravelier um, as he's talking. And then he shoots it into his eye, and then you have this, your first real moment of diving into Cowboy Bebop, and the way that he does fight scenes is 
unreal. It's so good. He he plays with uh, he plays with the vision of the camera. Um, uh, a lot of people talk about this when you're shooting film. Um, like a lot of people talk about how like the Matrix series like broke this mold when they started doing. Um, uh, like uh, bullet time yeah, and stuff like that, and you you would fly over the person as if you were on like a like a crane shot flying well, over them, you know, because they literally were. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so in this though, because he's using this bloody eye, you see this perspective outside of these uh, these like gangster syndicate guys coming after right, him. So the, the syndicate's going after Asimov because mm-hmm. he stole all the drugs, like in a normal shot, right? And then you cut to. Asimov's vision of it, which is suddenly in this like deep red tone, like uh, overtone of everything, instead right. of like black it's, and white. It's all it red. It is uh, how Cyclops from the X Men sees the world, <laughs> except really slowed down. Uh, and he's he's moving like you can tell that this drug is making him run like super fast. There's a there's a moment where he's coming at this guy, and a bullet fires out of the gun, and you see his face, and then his face not there, and then all of a sudden it's the guy's perspective. Perspective, and then we thought he just hits the floor basically. Yeah, but we were like, he must have hit him in the, with his own head, right? Yeah. And because just like, to be clear, hand pulled. This back. is after a slow motion bullet that the dude dodges. Like this, these drugs are it's good stuff, man. <laughs> so, so we cut away from this action sequence, and we see Spike is hanging out in a sweat lodge mm-hmm. and this like Native American knee guy do, is there and I don't know if it's racist or not but yeah it, it feels seems, a little just a touch it seems less like racist and more like dated like yeah. maybe it's racist now but not when it was made so uh, we're gonna brush Whatever. over it basically the guy um predicts Spike's future with shocking accuracy mm-hmm. and uh, Spike goes off to uh, to the the northern part of the asteroid where he was told he would find. What does he say? Also, the, how are you going to tell north on, in space? How, uh, how's that situation? Okay, so I learned this from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, That's a good resource. Hashtag Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, <laughs> so Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about if you have a rotation uh, with your right hand and your fingers are curling in towards your thumb, your thumb pointing up, that is the direction the north is. So it's relative? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that, north is relative. That seems like a little unreliable, but I guess if you're yeah. being told that... Well, it's the rotation of whatever planet or spaceship yeah, you're know. on, right? Um, so, I mean, if your spaceship is north, if you're rotating, you can change the way north is, but changing the direction of the spinning of your ship... I just... I'm going to remember that the enemy's gate is down, and that's all we're going to do. So. Yeah, the I think what he says, though, is the red-eyed coyote will appear in the Zona Norte. Yeah. Um, and then he says, uh, he says, Wonkan Tonkin, bless you. <laughs> no, before that, he says one more, uh, he says, you'll meet a woman, you'll oh, be hunted yeah. by a woman, and then you'll die. And Spike responds, oh, one more time, I was killed once before by a woman. Yeah. And the guy's like, you shouldn't joke about stuff, and they, they kind of fizzle out the scene, yeah. and he says... He says vaguely Native American y things at him. <laughs> so, so we see Jet. He's Hashtag come, foreshadowing. So we see Jet. He's come down to the planet. Jet, by the way, has one robot arm and one regular arm. He's down on the planet. He goes to the bar where the shootout took place, he grabs a drink, and then he hears a car pulling up and these dudes talking outside. It's guys from the syndicate. They come into the bar. Uh, Jet has expertly hidden himself. They start talking about. 
the dude who's stolen all the drugs and Jet reveals himself and is like, oh, thanks for the information and beats them up. Yeah. So uh, then we uh, we head out. We see Jet uh, or we see Spike out um, at a rest stop where the uh, woman and Asimov happen. Man, it's really frustrating that she doesn't have a name. Yeah. I guess she's only these. She's the only the woman we're going to have in this episode. So it shouldn't be that confusing. But man, what a weird oversight. So. So Spike is at this rest stop. Spike comes out of the bathroom and runs into the guy, and he's really smooth about it. He acts like they're total strangers, but yeah. he actually secretly robs the dude. No, no, no. He doesn't do that yet. He doesn't? No. So but when does he get The it? first thing that he's talking about is like, hey, you might want to keep the water running. And then he's talking about the guy who must have just been puking in the sink because of like his yeah. coming down from this drug. And also Spike is just like, I've been there before, man. I've been puking before, too. Yeah, he's a real bro. Um, and then he goes and bumps into this woman she's holding a bunch of groceries that she's bought from a vending machine that's over there don't buy um, things from vending machines it's it, in space gas stations did they learn nothing from Futurama yeah for real that's how you get space slugs yeah um, uh, so so uh, then he like picks up the stuff for her as he's picking up stuff he's like you you see like his hand move out and pick up three things then his other hand go out and pick up two things then he puts the two things into her bag and turns around. It happens so fast, though. Yeah. Like, blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. And so um, she's like, hey. And she he turns around and he's got uh, one of her hot dogs, I guess, from a vending machine in his mouth. Yeah. And then he, like, gives her stuff back. They have, like, this nice little conversation. And then he opens up a little bit to her about how he's chasing... Asimov. Right. Who she's with. Right. And we also see that she's pregnant at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he reveals that he's a bounty hunter, but he does it in a way that shows that, like, not only am I a bounty hunter, but I know that you're my bounty. Yeah. yeah. And so they kind of have harsh words. And then Asimov just sneaks up behind him and chokes him out. Yeah. And he's, and, he's uh, actually going to kill Spike. And as Spike falls, that's when his hand goes up into his jacket and uh, grabs okay, the red okay, eye. Okay. Yeah. So Spike is, like, playing him, too. Yeah. You know? but So anyway, Asimov almost kills Spike. The woman basically is like, don't kill him. And then, so that's why she's a little bit more passionate about it. But yeah. She tells him not to not to kill him, and they leave Spike kind of passed out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jet walks up and wakes Spike up at the filling station. They kind of they kind of joke about how he's been passed out, and then we cut. We see Spike is hanging out. We can tell it's him because of the character design, but he's in like a sombrero and like oh man, I feel like really racially insensitive here. Like he's got one of those like drape. Like the draperies that you see, like the sombrero dudes wearing. I don't know what they're called. I don't know what it's called either, but he's disguised himself with a big hat and a slight costume change. Asimov comes up to him, they kind of are talking about making a drug deal. Spike tries to like negotiate on the price a little bit as a ruse, but basically uh, the jig is up pretty quickly and they get into the second fight scene of the show, which I would say is kind of the first proper fight scene where we actually see blows. Oh, yeah. Exchanged and landed. And you see Spike really, really lay into Asimov. Like, Asimov fighting against those other, like, punks was like, you know, this guy is amazing. How can he be this fast? And then he's just completely outclassed immediately by Spike. Yeah, and they do, they do this great shot where Spike is sort of dancing around him and mm-hmm. dancing away. And it, it's got, you know, this great underscore of music and this jazz theme running through the show. Yeah. And it, it looks like Spike is is playing with him and is dancing. And, yeah. and it's awesome. And such a juxtaposition of how dangerous Asimov was in the previous combat sequence. Yeah. And then um, they get interrupted, as, as a lot of things do in the show, by... Uh, 
plot moving syndicate people. Right, syndicate uh, shows up, shoots <laughs> them up. They pull like the Asimov and the woman escape, and then plot syndicate like pulls up in a car, and, and Spike like gets on the car and like breakdance kicks his <laughs> kicks his breakdance kicks them around. And, when you fight, you gotta kick this, you know. Right. So, uh, so kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> so the uh, the woman actually like gets shot in the stomach, like a bullet grazes her her clothes in the mm-hmm. stomach as as they're climbing into the spaceship or whatever. Yeah, they, they climb into a spaceship mm-hmm. to get away, and you see that she's not actually pregnant. She is giving birth to drugs because all <laughs> of these little vials of the red eye start pouring out, and, and the Asimov kind of chastises her, and they get in and, and flee. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spike gives chase in the swordfish too, and immediately blows up two of the pursuers that are following them. Oh, yeah. It's it's just a joke to him. He, he's he, so much better than everybody else. Yeah. He's just, like, he's he's your, like, pivotal hero character in the show. You, you root for him at every moment because he's so charismatic. And then he immediately shoots down these things. He's catching up with Asimov. He's, he's finally going to catch them. They've gone into space by this point, pulled off the asteroid from TJ's. They're almost out. Um, Asimov, like, pulls out a vial of red eye, crushes it into his eye. Yeah. By wild, the way, this is lady. a vial. Yeah. <laughs> this is made of glass. We don't know how the glass avoids his eye. <laughs> and it, this is all the while the lady that's with him is pleading for him not to do it anymore. She's like, you're going to kill yourself this yeah. way. Yeah. And, and he just has, like, a breakdown. And there's this amazing shot where they're going into space you see, like, a bunch of police lights in the distance from, like, these police spacecrafts. And then you see his face next to hers. And it's her face looking completely, completely defeated. Yeah. And his face just looking insane. Yeah, he's high. He doesn't... He's not here. And she knows there's no way out of this. Yeah. The jig is up. So it cuts to Spike's perspective... You hear a gunshot, which you couldn't hear in space, but whatever. We hear it. Yeah. Uh, we hear it. And he pulls around, and you see her holding Asimov's lifeless body as she looks up to him. With this big splatter of blood on the window. Yeah. And then her ship is just riddled with bullets. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it cuts to this amazing shot where she is just left floating in space, surrounded by the broken glass of their ship's windshield as these vials of drugs just pour out of her in place of blood. Yeah. And it, it's, it is gorgeous. Yeah. So it cuts back to the same shot from the very start of the episode after the credits roll of Spike training on the ship and uh, Jet making more bell peppers and beef with no right. beef. Yeah, um, but kind of have fun with gravity for a second when when Jet shoots a cigarette over yeah. to Spike. But you also see this moment of like Spike letting it sink in that he's just watched someone die in front of him. Yeah, and it's it's this like really great shot where you just see his left eye in the reflection of the ship, and that is. Hashtag foreshadowing. Uh, I won't tell you what it is, but it's really cool. You'll find out about it later. And that's how episode one ends. Yeah. And the last words for episode one before the end credits, of course, 
are see you space cowboy which is how almost all of the episodes end yeah cool so let's move right on to episode two stray dog strut right so we open oh. on <laughs> somebody's using the bathroom and some thugs break in and he's threaten to kill him. He's not using the bathroom. Well, he's in the bathroom. He's unwinding, like, wrapping around his face. And then he's just like, you right. see it in the toilet. It looks like toilet paper. You it's see bandages. The toilet paper going into the... <laughs> right, so they, these thugs break in. They threaten to kill him. They, they call him Abdul Hakim. He's super tall. He breaks through the door of the bathroom, he which is going to be a theme doors. with him. He hates doors so much. Uh, maybe because he's so tall, he always towers <laughs> over the doorway entrance, so maybe he's just busting doors as his, like, personal revenge. Against um, doors. But they're, they're basically like, you know, look, you can come with us or we can do this the hard way, and then, like, moments later, they've all been beaten to unconsciousness. They've learned what the hard way really is. Yeah, so he takes this briefcase and he leaves, and, uh, then... I think we have the intro there or something. Um, basically, we... The intro happens before that. Oh, yeah, right, because the intro is at the beginning of the episode, except for the first one. Yeah. So uh, so then we cut out. We, we see a little bit more of the super fast space travel rings in the sky. This time we actually see the rings being active. I don't think we saw this in the first episode. You we saw it a little bit. Yeah, we see spaceships flying through it, but like really clearly the spaceship wasn't there. And then it starts to appear with some like colored light in the in the circles. We start to see that these things are used... To sort of teleport or yeah. in some other way help with like hyperspeed travel. Yeah, so they're like cutting a rift through time and space, creating a wormhole from one place to the other. So um, then you see your your first cut of Mars, which is really cool too. Um, so so the big thing about Mars, the way that they do a little bit of world building here is uh, they they really do a cool job of uh, having Mars be like this desolate, desolate, like, wasteland, and then you just come upon a crater, and inside of the crater, they put on, like, these force fields around it, and inside of it, they've, like, you know, done, like, uh, ter like terrestrian work, what is it called? Uh, terraforming? Te yeah, terraforming. Yeah. So they've done, like, terraforming it was terrarium, work. which is, and like... So yeah, it's like a terrarium. Yeah, no? basically. People <laughs> so, in a terrarium. Yeah, so they, like, come across it, and then there's just, like, this field of, like, lush green, yeah, and you're and going a, down. Yeah, a giant city. It's really cool. Yeah. And, and they, uh, they're, um, so Spike and Jet, they're on the way into the city because they have seen uh, what, to us, is the first episode, uh, not in the universe, but the first time we've ever seen an episode of what is called Big Shot for the Bounty Hunters, which is a ridiculous Western-themed, like, hit list, essentially, yeah. where there's this, like, Hispanic dude and his busty blonde hostess uh She never uses buttons. No, never. she does not. Her her breasts are basically holding the jacket closed. Yeah. It's ridiculous. She's using a lot of tape to keep things together. Right, so essentially this show comes on at plot-relevant times to reveal... <laughs> what the mark is for the episode or some other information. It's the show that's watched by space bounty hunters to tell them who they're going after. Yeah. And it's what's brought them to Mars. In addition to that, they get a call from this doctor guy who you, Spencer, you uh, said... Dr. Wiley Dr. from Wiley. Mega Man. Right. <laughs> that is not exactly who it is, but the resemblance is pretty striking. Yeah. And he he is either a like a space uh, plastic surgeon or he knows one or something. He basically says like this, uh, it's not Asimov, uh, Abdul Hakim, the guy that's their mark for episode two, he has uh, changed, changed his, his face. face. The guy knows what he looks like now and um, Ab Abdul kind of bumped the 
um, the doctor on the head when he was on his way out. So he's giving this information over to Spike and Jet. Bumped is a really light word for getting punched in the face. Yeah, so he's pissed, and he wants <laughs> Spike and Jet to catch this guy as retribution. Yeah. So we get to Mars. It this so we saw uh, Tijuana. That was like a that was like New York in the eighties. This one looks a lot more like Tokyo. So mm-hmm. we have a lot more neon, a lot more Japanese writing, um, and we see Hakim. He's gone into a tea shop. Um, the dude's kind of selling him all these teas. It's just kind of a random scene, but essentially he gets bumped by this dude, random guy, and I'm not sure if they're playing some sort of like switcheroo on him or if it's literally an accident. But Hakim kind of. Uh, Loki freaks out and smashes a cockroach, drops it into the tea, and then forces this dude to drink it. <laughs> but while he's doing that, his briefcase gets stolen, which we have come to realize has something valuable in it. Yeah. And Hakim promptly destroys the door on his way out of the tea shop. <laughs> he hates doors, he you hates guys. He hates doors trying to chase this guy. He could have opened that door, but he just did not want to open that door. Yeah, so, and then he also punches a pig carcass when he can't find the guy yeah. that's run away with yeah. his briefcase. So, so the, the guy with the briefcase goes over to a... Uh, a uh, woman that is selling a bunch of different kind of animals. Right. She keeps on calling them her babies. She's and super she has crazy. a live turtle on her head. Just yeah. Ha- hashtag live turtle. Right. She's like the guy <laughs> from Being Puppy Cat with yeah. the sushi on his head. Yeah. And um, so you uh, you see them open this briefcase for the first time. You think it's going to be something really cool, a la Pulp Fiction, with something inside that you never get to see. Right. Instead, it is a Welsh corgi. Um, yes, it's the best Christmas ever. <laughs> so, um, obviously, this case came from uh, the Queen of England, uh, who has <laughs> sent a Welsh corgi to space um, in the future. Yeah. Um, this uh, this dog, we won't find out for a while, but uh, this is your first meeting with Ayn. Uh, yes, Ayn is the dog. Ayn ends up being, like, one of the most, I don't know... Not pivotal characters inside of the show, but is just always present. Ayn is one of the main characters, even though it's, like, literally just a dog. Yeah. It's more special than just a dog, and I don't want to say just a dog like it's a bad thing, because if you know me, I am crazy about dogs. Yeah. Like, he's basically just a dog throughout the show, but he's so lovable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they t- they're talking about corgis, and they're like, oh, corgis, they're not anything special. You can maybe get, like, two wulongs, which is... The currency, you know, think dollars for ease of access for our American listeners. Yeah. Um, So they're like, oh, this thing, it's not worth anything. And they're all kind of grumbly about it. And uh, and then they're like, she's like this woman that runs the exotic animal store is like, well, if you don't want to sell them, you can eat them. And I'm like, you run the exotic animal store, but you're <laughs> going to tell them to eat the dog? Like, what's... Yeah. You, you're playing both sides here. So, um, so Spike has followed uh, this briefcase here, um, and he thinks that this guy who had stolen the briefcase from... Um, uh, from Abdul Hakim um, is Abdul Hakim and just changed his face another time. Um, meanwhile, we cut to two scientists inside of a car. Um, <laughs> and what does he keep on saying? Seems that way. Seems that way. <laughs> um, so, like every time one the one of the scientists talks about like different relevant plot points, the other guy is just like, 
seems that way. But he's like basically like the driver is exposition man, <laughs> and then the passenger is just seems that way guy. Yeah, I wonder how this translates in the sub. I'll have to watch it because I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Or you'll have to watch it. That's the point of this. Go watch yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so uh, we cut to uh, Spike pulling a gun on this kid. Um, this kid is like, "It's not mine." And then uh, Abdul Hakim comes up and he's just like, "It's mine, though." After Spike is like grumbled off. And yeah, Spike that leaves. It's not and then worth Hakim anything. shows up yeah. immediately, and the woman <laughs> yeah. in the shop, she's like, "Oh, get." <laughs> so great. And Ayn bites Abdul Hakim's finger and then uh, starts to run off and then Abdul Hakim does his thing uh, you know breaking everything down including doors. Yeah and also he he fires a gun which makes all of the animals flee. Yeah but also there's an ostrich that escapes. Yeah. And the ostrich must have been behind a door so obviously he broke it. kicked the door down. Yeah we don't need to see the third door to know it was there. Yeah because of course, it is what his, you know, hashtag Hesaurus. It's his anime power. Yeah, it's, uh, he can move plot by opening doors. Um, cool. So, then we get a chase scene, and Spike is after the dog, yeah. who is followed by Hakim. Well, Spike is actually after Hakim, who's after the dog, but that causes them to converge basically on either side of a bridge with, um, Ayn stuck in the middle, and Spike's trying to totally throw down with Hakim because he wants the bounty on this dude's mm-hmm. head. He doesn't know that Ayn is valuable in any way. Yeah. And Ayn is a super smart dog, so he death jumps off of the bridge onto a barge that's passing underneath. So Hakim jumps after him, and Spike jumps after them. Um, Ayn so, jumps back. Right, Ayn jumps back, so Hakim lands on the boat, and Ayn lands on Je- uh, Spike's face so that he doesn't make it to the boat. So they escape that way. Yeah. And so you cut to the ship, and then you get some more plot exposition by the scientists who yeah. are talking about the dog being a data dog, and then you find out more. Abdul Hakim's talking to some person about a drop that he's supposed to make for this dog. Yeah. And then uh, you... Then we go to, like, Hakim is on the streets, and this old dude starts, like, harassing him. He's, like, one of those guys that has his wares spread out on a on a <laughs> blanket and, and stuff. And a bird. And he's trying to tell his this dude's fortune using his bird, which he calls Pico. And I thought that was interesting, because as a fan of Pokemon, there is a bird in Pokemon named Pico... And I thought that was pretty cute, pretty cool. I guess that name has some sort of significance that I'm not yeah. privy to. So uh, you know, tweet at us, I guess. <laughs> so um, Spike then uh, comes down. He uh, he is trying to lure Hakim out with uh, the data dog, yeah. and uh, they the uh, dudes in the truck. Yeah, the dudes in the truck turn on like a dog whistle. He goes. He, he goes. We have to use. The dog whistle. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, and then what's so silly about it is the guy from behind him is like, yeah, it's a high-pitched tone that only dogs can hear. And then he turns it on, and the guy in the front of the car who's been saying seems that way this whole time is just like, why can't I hear it? Is it on yet? Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. They they do a lot of that, like, just in case you didn't know, exposition <laughs> for the dog whistle. Yeah. And then all of the dogs in town just lose their minds yeah. and then start you- chasing after this, like, dump truck thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, so then you get another chase scene, uh, Spike chasing uh, chasing the dog, Uh, Hakeem going to ruin somebody else's day by taking um, a car away from this just-married couple and uh, probably (laughs) kicking down their door at the time. They're literally at their wedding with the car parked behind them in the ceremony, which is an interesting choice on its face. And he, like, he just gets in the car, and then the groom comes up and is like, hey, so what's up? And he just punches him right in the face. It is hysterical. Almost as if he was a door. (laughs) Um, So then you have uh, him chasing in this car. He picks up Ayn. Spike goes incredibly fast to go get his ship. Yeah, he's just in the swordfish. Immediately. But this is moments after Hakeem has picked up Ayn and then used dog knockout gas. <laughs> he just has an unmarked canister that he sprays in Ayn's face that knocks him out for approximately the time it takes to get from that scene to the next time we see yeah. them. It's like very specific knockout gas and it's not that effective on a corgi, which is not huge. So I, this has very situational yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you have a little bit more of a fight scene. You have bullets going back and forth uh, between the scientists who now have bullets now. Um, yeah, they're and, shooting out of their car. Yeah, and then uh, he starts to lose control. Well, uh, Ayn jumps on the steering wheel and is missing. Oh, yeah, with the that's car. right. And then Ayn jumps out of the car. Spike, instead of going after his bounty, turns around and picks up the dog because, you know, Spike has to save the dog. Right, he's the um, hero. And, and then the the car and the uh, scientists chasing them run smack into the police station, and you they literally end, fall into the police. Yeah. And then you end that episode with a little bit of more plot, where they talk about it on top of uh, Big Shot. They talk about what the data dog is, and then cuts to the dog living on the ship with Spike and Jet, and now he's part of the new Bebop family. Right, and this also, this is the second episode, the second bounty, and we are 0 for 2 on bounties so yeah. far in the show about bounty hunters. And space is expensive, y'all. It's very expensive. Yeah. That takes us to episode 3, Honky Tonk Women. Yeah, well, I thought it was woman, but it's women, You're apparently. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So we get back to Marsha in Tokyo and we see a woman that we're going to start to recognize. This is the first time we've seen her outside of the opening credits. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing super slutty clothes. I wrote down here the dialogue. The She walks into the store and this like older dude um, is wearing sunglasses and she goes, I like those shades, man. And he goes, I like everything you've got. And then proceeds to like talk to her as though she's going to make money being a prostitute, which is great. <laughs> So, um, she, uh, she's about to get shot by a couple of dudes outside, and then she pulls out a machine gun and starts to shoot at them before they shoot at her, and she's yeah. like, the basic rule of war, number one, is shoot before you're shot at. Yeah, or, shoot them before they shoot you. Yeah. It's <laughs> so great. And then, like, immediately she's apprehended. They pull out a freaking rail gun at her <laughs> and just lit up the store. Um, so she's taken hostage. Um, you see her, uh, get taken into a, a casino ship by like this, uh, he's, he's, he's like the casino boss. It's yeah. kind of like mob boss except for a casino. Yeah. And he's, he says something about Alice, the queen of hearts mm-hmm. and sh- and like says that she's Alice and th- her name, I don't know if we've said it yet. Her name is Faye and Faye responds that, that, She's not Alice, because if Alice were still alive, she would have to be over 200 years old. Foreshadowing. 
So uh, the the casino boss proceeds to say that Alice never lost a game and never less never cheated. She was a born winner. Um, and then compare and contrast with Faye, who has uh, racked up a ton of debt. And mm. so the the casino boss is basically like, you can go to jail or you can do you can what work I want for you me. to do. Yeah. Um, so then we get uh, our first shot this episode of our uh, main characters. <laughs> they are coming down, uh, Spike dressed exactly as he is always dressed in his blue, and uh, Jet's dressed in all whites for church. He's super fancy. <laughs> and he also, they're on the, they go to the casino, which is just like a floating space, space station, but it looks like a giant roulette wheel in space, which, which is so cool. Yeah. But he's he's basically uh, he's prepared for Easter and gambling. Um, he's so ready. <laughs> Take me to church. <laughs> so um, he they go in. Uh, Wait, no, no. So there's so Jet's like telling him about a dream in the elevator, which is like great conversational topic, Jet. Yeah. And then Spike is smoking because he smokes all the time, and Jet's like, I hate to tell you, but there's no smoking. And Spike literally eats the cigarette. <laughs> Which is insane, and we're going to touch on this later. Yeah. I wrote down some notes about him eating stuff. Yeah. Okay, so then we we get a little bit of Faye at a roulette... Not a roulette table. She's at a... a blackjack. Blackjack table, yeah. And um, she is... Um, uh, she's she, working as the dealer now. Yeah, and she's basically, like, nailing people on this. And uh, Spike, you get a little touch of uh, this where you can see how good his eyes are. And Jet talks about it before, and he's like, hey, don't win too much or we're going to be kicked out. Talking yeah. about how good Spike's are. Foreshadowing. Um, so and Spike is like, well, you know, if you don't want me to play, don't bring me to the casino. Yeah, if you don't want me to win, is what he says. That's true, yeah. So he sits down at the table, and Faye is dealing, and she thinks to herself, oh, he's the one. Hold on, hold on. You have skipped the three old men. You skipped uh, them in I the did. first episode and the second episode. No, I caught them in the first episode no, for you sure. Did you not. skipped them in the no, first No, no, we'll oh, go back okay. on the tape. Anyways, uh, so the three old men. One of my favorite through lines inside of the show is this really cool thing that he does um, with his anime and with the manga that originally comes from, uh, that it comes from. Um, they do so much foreshadowing. I, I think I've said foreshadowing like six or seven it's times. So many times. And one of the things that they really, really hit on is the age of these men is directly relative to the gates that they're using inside of this world. So there's there's all of these gates that they're talking about, and you hear these little snippets of these three old men talking about, like, when I was young, I built these gates. I dug the gates out, is what they keep on saying. And there are all these different things about, like, we used to plant in those times, and they always start contradicting each other. And you see them throughout, like, the entire series. Yeah, there's, like, this comedic through line that's also world-building. Yeah, and it's, it's a really, really cool touch to have, like, these three old men that are always contradicting each other right in the heart of crazy shit happening. Yeah, it's great. So, like, in the first episode, they're in the bar right before the bar gets completely shot to hell. Yeah, I didn't see them in episode two, but yeah. episode three, there they are. They're yeah. playing... I thought they were playing blackjack, but I think they might be playing some sort of hold'em or something. No, 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 no. It was it was definitely blackjack, it because is... they, they hit a nine, and then the um, the blackjack... because oh, right, they uh, counted up to 21, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah and so right. they... Um, 
and Spike, uh, they're about to like they're about to push back their card or ask for a new card or something, and Spike holds down the card because he's already seen it. Yeah. And he then they win off of it. And everybody's all excited. Then Spike sits down and that notices. Yeah. And then you get a little bit of backstory. Right. So, uh, so we see that. Um, oh wait, I have this written down. The mob so, boss. Yeah. So uh, the mob boss basically is saying uh, saying the plan to her so that we can know <laughs> what to expect. So um, Faye thinks, oh, he's the one when he sits down, and then she um, she says that. Um, there's going to be a target who's going to come sit at her table. She, being capable of counting cards and, and manipulating the deck really quickly without being noticed, she's going to cause him to lose everything. Um, with his very last remaining chip, he will tip her. And then she just has to give this chip to the casino mob boss guy. And, and he'll forgive all of her debt. All of her debt is gone, which I don't think they specify, but it's a lot. Yeah. So this guy, uh, ironically, you see walking through the casino, is dressed really close to the way that Spike is dressed. Just it's a little an easy bit, mistake to he's make. He's frumpy Spike. Yeah. Um, he's, he's walking through this casino, holding this chip uh, really shakily, and Spike is losing... Over and over and over again to Faye. Yeah, at this point, he's the only one left at the table. She's she's basically bought out everybody else, and Spike has this mountain of chips, and she flips over a perfect blackjack and takes everything from yeah. him, except his last chip. Yeah, and then she's like, well, and she pulls out her hand, For and the then tip. he's just like, I don't know what I'll do with this, and then... He takes it away. He goes, I think I'll keep it. And walks as a away. Souvenir. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, what? And goes to like chase after him. Uh, in this moment, you see Spike run into Frumpy Spike. Right. Uh, the two chips fall on the Frumpy ground. Frumpy Spike sounds like Frumpy Spice. And I keep thinking <laughs> it's going to be like one of the Space Spice Girls. The Space Girls. <laughs> yeah. It's the Space Spice Girls. Um, so um, then he picks up. Uh, the wrong chip, Frumpy Spike does, and he walks off, and Spike shows underneath his shoe this chip. I just realized he is stepping on this chip with his shoe, and then Faye talks to him and wants to get the chip, and he reveals that she has been cheating the whole time, and then she's like, give me this, you're supposed to give me this, and he's like, oh no, and then... He eats it. Yeah. So first of all, he it, it's almost like one of those comedy switcheroos. It was just under his shoe. It's almost like one of those comedy switcheroos where it's like, oh, they accidentally exchange and then they accidentally have the wrong thing. But actually, Spike has clearly seen this and has hidden it under his shoe, which is fascinating. And then, yeah, he goes on to eat it moments later because Faye thinks he's the guy that knows the plan, but he's not. And he eats it. And... I, at this point, had to mark down that I'm pretty sure we were lying when we said that there's no anime superpowers in this because Spike is clearly some sort of, like, walking bag of holding or something like that. He's able to eat oh, yeah. whatever he wants to he's with no repercussions. He's the regurgitator. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and we will touch on this one last time in this episode. So he eats it, and um, and essentially Spike immediately is accosted by some bouncers and... The bouncer, like, hits him or something. And, and he goes down. 
and then he spikes comes, up <laughs> is not having it yeah. and immediately gets into this like giant brawl. Yeah. And Faye, instead of being a normal person and maybe going to try to help, and she gets immediately inside of her ship. Right. The uh, Red Tail. Yes. Yeah, um, and the she just opens fire on the casino side. Right. And, and this is to escape, not to, like, attack them, but yeah. she's getting out in a giant ship inside of the casino. Yeah. And... It, she so we see we see Jet comes up to see the commotion that that Spike has made and he's holding like these giant bags of gold essentially or like boxes of gold and so then we cut and we see Faye is escaping in the red tail and then we realize that Jet and Spike have hitched a ride by like splattering themselves on her windshield they get back to the ship and and handcuff her and She's like, I didn't do anything to you guys. Why are you handcuffing me? And they're like, well, it was about 200000 that we lost in those winnings there. So you kind of owe us for that. And that's where you're being handcuffed. And she's like, 200000 that's chump change. And then we get a little bit of uh, what Spike finds out is that Faye is being chased by a bounty hunters by his show, Big Shot. Right. So we get the Big Shot, and mm-hmm. it turns out that her bounty is $6 million, which yeah. this is in contrast to Asimov from the first episode is 2.5. I think the second episode was maybe four. Yeah. It's definitely more than we've seen before. Yeah. So she's the biggest one they've seen for a while, and also there's something special about this chip that they're finding out. So, um... Yeah, Jet reveals that it's actually a microchip. Yeah. And I should say here, too, we, we skipped a really brief scene earlier where we see that the uh, frumpy Jet uh, gets murdered, essentially, oh, yeah, for yeah, having the wrong chip. That. Yeah, so uh, don't worry about frumpy Jet. You'll He's never gone. see him again. We're not seeing him again. Um, actually, it happened so fast, Blake turned to me and he goes, did they just shoot him? Yeah, it was so quick. <laughs> so we see, while Jet and Spike are realizing that they have this girl who has a huge bounty and that they have this microchip of some sort... Faye is pulling out what looks like a lipstick, but it's actually a video transmitter. She starts talking to the casino boss, but then she gets interrupted by Jet and Spike showing up and being like, hey, so you're worth six million. We know your name. We know there's a bounty on your head and we're going to turn you in. We'll take you to the police. Right. And she's like, no, this guy I work for will pay you way more. All you have to do is give him that chip, and he will give you a lot more money. Yeah, also Faye claims to be a gypsy space wanderer here, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so they they set up this drop between them and this ship so that they could get a lot of money for this this chip. And then you get one of my favorite scenes ever from the anime. So it's so good. So I will explain this pretty much shot for shot. If you watch any episode of Cowboy Bebop, you should watch them all, but watch this episode because this is such a cool moment, and it it really does something cool that most animes do not, which is a sense of reality inside of this world that is clearly fictional. So there's this moment where Jet walks out onto the Bebop. He um, is in, in the space suit, yeah, space suit. suit, and he's got like uh, like uh, magnetic boots, magnetic boots, basically. Yeah. And so he uh, releases the mag-, mag boots, floats up to the other ship, t- spins around, lands on the other ship, turns back on his mag boots, and then you see upside down everything, and then it cuts to back right side up. Yeah, it flips as yeah. we watch it so that we reorient ourselves to his new perspective. And as you're seeing this, you're seeing like the rotation uh, that they have uh, inside of there. By the way, that's to keep gravity inside of ships. Right. We also see this inside of the Bebop. Mm-hmm. Faye has escaped at this point. She's running around and she 
she runs into this hallway with a spinning wall yeah. where she's accosted by Ayn, and, and this is the gravity generator for the Bebop. So yeah. these are nice world-building bu- world touches that yeah. we see throughout. So then you see uh, them trying to do, you know, a good old-fashioned exchange. Um, right, the dude from the, the mob or whatever has the money, Spike has the chip... And they're going to release their stuff at the same time. On three. Yeah. So but Spike gets to count, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah. So Spike counts to three. He plans out his three so that if he he gets betrayed, he will have already moved. So you see this beautiful shot of like Spike releasing this, then the guy watching holding a gun underneath, and as soon as he gets to three, the middle of the ship thing has spun around, and he starts firing on it as if it's coming by, and Spike is going to be right there. But Spike has already moved. He's already at like the top of the spinning gravity yeah, thing. Yeah, the, the spinning gravity thing has like a big metal pillar that the guy mm-hmm. shoots because Spike has timed it right. And yeah. at the same time, Spike has jumped up so that he can get a better angle. Yeah. And so Spike is pushed off of that, and then he's like, come down, punches this guy, starts to pull the gun away, turns off his bag boots, and kicks him into space! Yeah, he just kicks him out. That dude is messed up. Also, he's gone. They don't talk about it, but that guy is just in space. He's just gone. Yeah. And then um, they, uh, you see Faye come down, steal the money that they were supposed yeah, to change. Yeah, she has escaped. She escapes the Bebop in the Red Tail, her personal ship, by blowing <laughs> out of the hangar and Jet's like, you could open the hangar door. Oh, doors. Yeah. Yeah, she, must she has. Be related to Hakeem. She feels that Hakeem vibe going on. <laughs> So she steals the money. She, like, grabs it. She starts to fly away. And then Spike is like, oh, no way you're getting away with this. Jed starts shooting at her from the bebop. And then the the casino mob dudes are like, no, we have to kill them. So they fire these missiles after Faye yeah. to stop her from escaping. Yeah. So so uh, Spike jumps off, gets to the bebop, uh, gets inside... They shoot these missiles at Faye. Faye releases something that releases, like, changes polarity of it's one like of the missiles. a magnetic pulse or yeah. some, some space and, stuff. Yeah, and the missile comes back, blows up the ship. It is your first time seeing a ship just implode in space. And it's awesome. Yeah, and they just float away from them, talking about how this chip is now worthless. You see them go into a casino. Yeah, they say, it like, like, oh, the chip is now only worth... One, one bet, yeah. and it's great. And then Spike turns back and looks, and he sees the shooting star, and he sort of smiles to himself. And the episode ends, but instead of see you, Space Cowboy, it says, easy come, easy go, which is a cool touch. Yeah, yeah. It's really great. So that's the first three episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, we're setting up all of the basics. We'll get it, We'll kind of finish getting the band together almost next time. Yeah. So... Uh, we'll be coming back next week. Uh, we're we're talking about what anime we're going to be doing then. Uh, so we're going to be giving you uh, a sneak peek at that here in a sec. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing work done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level four sound wizard. Our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to help us keep releasing episodes without the use of ads, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patrons get exclusive member content as well as unlocking group perks. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. New episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like the show, please like, subscribe, and review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. Next week, we're going back to Earth. Charge your chakras, steal the scroll, and we're going to Naruto. Believe it!